0: Ah. <sighs> Good life.
1: For the Word of God. I would like to turn our attention to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. And let us shine the spotlight on verse 20. Four on verse twenty four. The Gospel according to Matthew, Chapter six. Starting at verse twenty four, you will find these words No one can serve. Two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to talk to you a few moments from the thought. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. Once again, we are reminded that The Gospel according to Matthew is one of three Gospels that are comprised or that comprises the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one of those writers wrote about similar stories but from different perspectives. Matthew, who was once a tax collector, who was despised among all men for the unscrupulous job that he did. His job was to go out and get Caesar's taxes. But his job was designed in such a way that The way he made his money is by overcharging the people. So the more unscrupulous the tax collector, the more added margin he put above Caesar's tribute so that they could make more money, putting burdens on the people that they couldn't bear. Amen. And so here we see a man who has been redeemed from one of the lowest places you could ever be, but God has exalted him to be an apostle, to be a writer of one of the most dear to us as believers through the annals of time, the gospel according to Matthew. Remember that the gospel according to Matthew is written to portray Jesus as king. Jesus plays many roles And one of them is king. Remember, the Old Testament allows us to to know that God made a covenant with David that said he would have an everlasting name, that his name would never leave the throne. It it, it was given to him as a covenant to to be a type that pointed to the everlasting king. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, none other than Jesus Christ. And so we have been endeavoring in our series of lessons on the mind, the ministry, and the making of Jesus Christ to see how God wants us to behave as citizens of the kingdom of God. Because we're looking at what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which consists of chapters 5, 6, and 7, actually ending at verse 29 in chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount is the manifesto of the king. It shows the mindset, the requirements, the desires of the king for those who would be kingdom citizens. So we have found that the kingdom is 180 degrees opposite of the world. Things that apply to the world and their principles and their desires are totally against the desires of God. That's why Paul so poignantly says in Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. For the explicit purpose of proving that good and perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. We are his examples in the world. If you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you must be those who follow the mandates of the king because the king has an agenda. And his agenda is that he wants us to be visible demonstrations, amen, of the comprehensive rule of God over every aspect of our lives. Amen. That is the best way that we can sum that up and I got that from Dr. Tony Evans where he tied that so poignantly that it is the visible demonstration. Amen. If we have a light and we put it under the butcher basket, what good is it? It needs to be visible. The world needs to see that there is a reality in serving a true and living God. And so we have seen in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus, the King, has dealt with so many issues. He's dealt with hypocrisy. He's dealt with the issue of looking like one thing on the outside, but being totally something else on the inside. In one place, Jesus looked at the leaders of his day. He looked at those Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and he said, you whitewashed sepulchres full of excess and distortion. You clean up the outside, but you leave the inside dirty and filthy. Amen. And in this life, amen, there are some trying to do an outside cleaning. They're trying to dress better. They're trying to talk better, but they really need an inside cleaning. Amen. They're trying to do this on their own. They've got religion, but they have no relationship with God. So God condemns this kind of living in his manifesto. He says, if you're going to give, don't give so that men are, are impressed, but give because you're giving to God. If you're gonna pray, don't pray because men are impressed, but pray because you wanna get closer to God. Don't fast so that men see you're fasting and are oppressed, but be fasting. Be a faster because you want to get closer to God. And so his text has gone on to, to deal with issues of internal problems. Jesus says to us, it's not that which uh, goes in a man that defiles him, but what comes out. Because what comes out of the mouth really shows what the heart is. It shows where our heart is, is based on what comes out of us. It is the demonstration of who we really are on the inside. Uh But Jesus has given us prescription for how to get out of this muck in my situation. But today, in the midst of this text, we have been inching closer to a big issue in God's church. In verse 20, no, actually in verse 19, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And the most important part of that verse or set of verses is verse 21 that says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen, Reverend. That that, that text, sometimes we we use that text and we say, well, wherever my heart is, that's where I'm going to put my treasures. No, what that text is saying is wherever you put your treasures, there will your heart be. So what you invest in, that's where your heart's going to. And so if you are investing in this world, That's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to be tied up in the things of the world instead of of the things of God. And that's the problem, amen, for the Lord because he don't want our hearts caught up in the things of the world but in the things of God. And and so now as we enter into verse 24, we realize that there is an 800-pound gorilla A big white elephant sitting in the middle of the room. When we look at verse 24, it says no one, and there's no one on the other side of no one. No one can serve two masters. Amen, Sister Franklin. No, Nobody... Can serve two masters. One of them is your master and one of them is not. He goes on to say, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Jesus so many times shows us that things are black and white. Things are one thing or the other. There's no gray area, amen. There's no straddling the fence. In Revelation, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, He said, I would rather you be hot or cold. Because if you are lukewarm, He will spew you out of His mouth. You can't be in a gray area with God. You can't dilly-dally and have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. No. God is not interested in that. That's lukewarm and he will spew you out of his mouth. In other words what he's saying is, is that if you're trying to play that game, if you're trying to straddle the fence, then you might as well be an unbeliever because he's going to spew you out of his mouth. He's interested in you coming on in. Amen. Coming on over into him. Amen. Be hot or be cold, but be real. See, that's what the problem is. is when you're a straddler, that's hypocrisy. You're really not being real. You're trying to show folk on one side that you really love God, but on the other side, your actions are showing that you really are a lover of the world. And God really does not like hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. God in another place said, whoa to you hypocrites. Amen. Because God is totally against hypocrisy. That bothers him more than anything else. It's for folks to act like they're one thing, but they're actually another. Because a lot of times when they're acting like that, they're acting like that for selfish gain. Amen. God's not in that. And God sees it, and he sees that people are being taken advantage of through this hypocrisy. That's what the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes did. They took advantage of the people. Amen. They set up laws and things for the people to do that they didn't do themselves. Amen. They came through the front door and took it out the back. Amen. So in verse 24, we see a real problem that is a problem even for the contemporary church. It is that white elephant. It is that 800-pound gorilla. that's sitting in the middle of the room. We're walking around it, and we're feeding it peanuts, amen, amen, and we're playing like it doesn't exist. Right. We're trying to give a form of godliness, amen, but lacking the power there. There's a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. It's not going all the way, Sister Franklin. It's, it's coming only so far. As we are comfortable in stopping right there. No one can serve two masters. Mm -hmm. He goes on in this text to let us see that you must be loyal to one and despise the other. So in these two masters, in these two masters, you're either for one or the other. And whoever you're for, you're loyal to them. No matter how you try to dress it up, you're still loyal to them. And what happens is, when you become loyal to one, you despise the other. You have contempt for the other. You relegate the other to some lower place of value. Some some place you put it on the back burner, you put them on the shelf, you say they're not important, but this master is. But we see in this text who the two masters are. Look at the text. It says, you cannot serve God and mammon. There is a big, big issue with serving God or rather serving mammon mammon can be translated money but the people of this day would understand that mammon had a greater dimension than just money It had a greater dimension in their day than just silver and gold, just cattle and other livestock, houses and land. It had a greater dimension because there was a master involved. Some of the early theologians contend that Mammon really referred to a Syrian god, a deity of wealth, a man, a deity at which they would bow to this deity, a man, and they would submit themselves to this deity so that the deity would supply their needs through his great wealth. There are some theologians that contend that, that, that this Syrian God did not exist, but they also believe, even if that was not the case, there is a mentality. There is a desire of the heart to serve the power that money seems, watch me now, seems to have. Uh-huh. I don't know about you, but... Uh, We have to be careful in the way that we think about money. If we don't watch it, before we know it, we're saying something like this. I need God to see me through my situation or somebody to give me some money. Now, that's a problem. It's a subtle problem when it goes through your mind, but it's a big problem when it comes to God. Because what you're saying is that if God doesn't do it, then there's another God that can do it for me and that God is money. We do the same thing when we say, well, I I know that, that I should tithe, but... I can't afford to tithe. What you're saying to God is that my well-being is in my money and not in you. You're saying to God, you know, God, I, I know you say who you are, and I know I know what your requirements are, but I need this money more than I need you. Amen. I need what this money can do for me versus what you can do for me. It's as if we're saying that this money is a God of besides the God of all gods. Amen. But we must remember that there would not be any money if it wasn't for the Lord. The Lord said the silver and the gold is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills and the hills thereof. The Lord says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. God owns it all, including money. But the spirit of of desiring money over God is a real issue even in the church. It's a real problem because even in the church being unsaid, we still struggle With the fact of whether or not to give what is God's amen or to hold it because we need it for our own provision. Amen. We look at the numbers and we say, well, I I can go so far, but I can't go all the way because I need this money, God. Instead of saying, Lord, I need you more and I will allow you to supply my every need. God is the creator of money. Yes. And so that's what is said by Paul in the first chapter of Romans that they, what, worship the creature more than the creator. Well. They have gotten to the place where they're worshiping other things that were created instead of worshiping the creator. Because what is the word worship? It's worth So what are we putting our worth in? What are we doing that puts more worth on something else than God? You cannot serve two masters. You must love the one and hate the other. And many of us, because we are not giving to God what he has required, we are showing that we love our money and we hate God. Now, we don't usually think of it in them terms, but, but verse 24 allows us to see that. And I don't know about you, but this becomes a real issue for me because I don't want to go and see my master in that last day and find out that I have been one that has been unfaithful and that I have with my money said that I hate you, Lord. That I've been with my money, loyal to my money, but I had contempt for God. And so when we, we shortchange God in our giving, because we, we will find out further as we go into our studies that the tithe, the 10 percent, amen, is the Lord's. Malachi 3.10 says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in mine house but before that in the earlier verses he said will a man rob God which lets us know when we don't give our tenth to the Lord amen we are robbing him because it is his he says bring this the tenth is his In further stories we'll see how this all works out because there's all kind of teachings that's going on in the land that's got believers all confused about giving why not Because that's one of the serious issues. That's one of the devices of the Antichrist. One of the things we must realize is that in the 12 disciples, amen, the one who was the betrayer, amen, the one who was the one who would betray Jesus was a pilfer of the money box. The Bible says, He was all concerned about how much other folks gave like the lady who took her alabaster box and broke it and poured it out on Jesus. He was all with indignation talking about, well, why couldn't she have kept that and we could have sold it to give to the poor? But the reality was his heart was wrong. He wasn't worried about the poor. He was worried about that being sold, the money going in that box, which he was a thief. When the money went in, he was taking it out. And so we find ourselves as pilferers of the money box when we shortchange God. Amen. It is a big white elephant in the middle of the room. But there's something else that has been poignantly made about how those who give to the Lord as God has commanded and those who don't, how they live. Those who don't give to the Lord as they should, they're always saying, I just can't make ends meet. You say, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay, but I'm struggling. Amen. But those who give and give as God has prescribed, you ask them how they're doing, and they're like, I'm blessed. I, I, I am blessed over and abundant. God is doing so much in my life. Amen. Because God blesses those who follow his commands. And money is right at the middle of obedience to God. The question we want to ask ourselves when we give is we want to ask, okay, God, if I give to you what is yours, the Bible says that he will rebuke the devourer. Amen. So he will bless the remainder. Amen. We want to give a 10 so he bless the 90%. Amen. Amen. But when you rob from God, all of it is cursed. So that's why folks, when they make their money, they work a lot of long hours and they seem like they just still can't make things work. They're working overtime and then they're paying their bills and they're saying, where is my money going? But the believer who who follows out God's command, he said that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive it. Those who follow God's mandate with the tithes and with their offerings, amen, they see the bountiful blessings of God. Sometimes they look at their bank accounts and they saw the numbers and they figured that they should have been shorter, but out of some kind of way, miraculously, they go long. Amen. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So today, saints of God, When we're dealing with this issue of servanthood, we must realize that stopping short of giving what is God's, amen, is robbing him and is serving the master of money. It's serving mammon and not God. And God is not pleased. He's not going to bless you in your mess. He's not going to bless you when you're robbing him. So you'll you'll have a problem that you'll never make things meet because God is discipline you to get you to realize that God has a prescription for the blessings of your life and it starts first by understanding that you can't serve two masters. And when you look in the Bible it's hard to find anywhere else Amen, where God deals with serving two masters. But here he pointedly says you cannot serve God and mamma. You can't look to money to be what only God can be in your life. We can look at money to say, well, money is what's going to cause me to survive. Money is going to keep me from having to worry about tomorrow. But money cannot do for you what God can do for you. When you have a pocket full of money and money in your bank account, God can uh, strict you with some kind of health condition, amen, and all the money you can can do nothing for you. Amen. God can can decide that He ain't gonna wake you up this morning. God can decide that He's not gonna put you in your right mind. Somebody can ask Nebuchadnezzar how, when he thought he was the king of the hill, how God struck his mind and he was out for seven years crawling around like a beast in the field, eating grass and his his fingernails and everything was growing long. He looked like a monster. Because he thought he was everything in himself. And God says, no, let me show you who keeps you in your right mind. Let me show you who keeps your life. Let me show you who provides for your every need. It's me. And so believers, we we must really work on ourselves in this area. Amen. Amen. Because it's sad to watch believers who say, well, I can't pay my bills. But you never give to the Lord. You never never give to the Lord because you say, I don't have enough. You say, this is more important than God is. But we're going to find in later verses that God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. By implication, God says, it's not your money, it's me. It's me. Stop robbing God and start giving to what God that is his. And then the Bible says to become a cheerful giver, to be able to go above and beyond. God's got a special blessing for even that. Amen. But it all starts with deciding which master we're going to serve. Amen. This morning, this text and all that it's dealing with is a heavy text. Amen. Amen. But it's important to the body of Christ if we're going to function as we should and we're going to live the blessed life that God has called for us to live, we got to live according to his dictates. We can't make money, the master. we got to allow God to be the master. Amen. Any other thing is nothing less than a curse. Amen. So today, saints of God, we've got that opportunity. And guess what? God has given us everything that we need. See, sometimes we got to live by faith, y'all. Sometimes we can't see our way through. Sometimes we can't figure it out. Because God wants to what? Work it out. God will put up blinders where you can't see. Amen. So that you must trust in him and see that he can work out what you can't figure out. So we must realize that it's only a test. This is a test of our faith, whether or not we have faith truly in God or in money. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Abraham was rich, but he believed God. He was not resting on his money, but he was resting on the promises of God. That God would never leave him nor forsake him. That God would be his sustenance, his provider, Jehovah Jireh, amen. That God would be his healer, Jehovah Rapha, amen. That God would be his peace, Jehovah Shalom, amen. That he would be all that he needs, amen. And that money would be just something that you, God uses, but would not be a God in himself. And so saints of God, as we come to a close here, amen. Let us have an introspective in our own lives today. Today is the day to determine whom we're going to serve. Today is the day to realize that when we think it is our money, it has never been our money and it's always been God. It's not easy, but we got to press forth in faith to believe that God will do what he says he will do. God is not a liar. God, let every man be a liar and let God be true. So we're going to have situations in our lives, everybody, that looks like we just can't do it. We got too much on our shoulders to give God what's his because we need to survive. But there is nothing we can do without the Lord. God is looking for us to say, you know what, Lord, I don't see how this is going to work. But Lord, I'm going to give you what's yours anyhow. And Lord, I'm going to let you work it out. I'm still looking toward the hills with coming my help, knowing all my help comes from you, O oh God. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, O oh God, Lord, to touch our hearts with this issue of mammon. Lord, help us to get past the roadblocks in our lives that Prevent us from giving to you what is yours and going above and beyond in our offerings, oh God. Lord, we want to live the blessed life. Lord, we don't want to be saying we can't make ends meet. We don't want to continue to say I just can't make it work. We want to be able to cry out and say I'm blessed above all blessings. God has truly opened up the door, the windows of heaven and poured me out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive Lord, and there's things Lord, that you would have us to do in your kingdom, that if we get on board with what you are calling us out to be, Lord we will see great things above and beyond what we have ever seen before, but Lord, that we will be blessed in our spirits and our mind and have peace in areas that we have not had peace before. Lord, we love you and we lift you up, master, Lord, help us to be all we need to be in our giving, to show forth. The truth of the very fact that we put it all in your hands. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. 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 At this time, amen, the doors of the church are open. Amen. If there happens to be someone here today that needs to get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him today. You can come just as you are. Amen. And the Lord wants to make a change in your life. He wants to live with you. He says, if, if when he knocks on the door of your heart, will you open the door and let him in? Amen. If you will confess to the Lord that I am a sinner and I'm in need of a savior, God will forgive you of your sins and he will resurrect your soul. He will take you out of transgression. He will take you out of sin and put you into his marvelous life. You can get to know him today. And it won't cost you nothing because Jesus has already paid it all. He paid it all on that cross. Almost 2,000 years ago, they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He died not because they took his life, but he gave it freely for you and for me. So today is the day of salvation. If you don't know him as your savior, you can get to know him today. Come
0: unto Jesus. Make up your. Yo!
1: good room. Amen. 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 So at this time, amen, if all hearts and minds are clear, amen, let us stand for our benediction. Where
0: he me
1: bless your name, Master, for all that we have seen and heard today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, work with our hearts, Lord. Lord, help us not to serve any other master except you. Lord, let our business get fixed right, O God. Lord, there's so many competing ideas and competing doctrines out here, O God, but your word makes it clear, Master, what you are requiring of us. Lord, continue to teach us in your word the magnificent manifold blessings of serving a true God. Lord, we want to be just Christians that are pure in heart and that serve you with all of our might, that we be lights unto this dark and dismal world, O God. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts now to give, O God, Lord, we ask once again in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you use these offerings, Lord, The way you would have them to be used for the edification of your kingdom from the outreach into the world. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of hoarders of what you have given us to give out, oh God. Lord, we want to be about your business. That Lord, at the end, if we don't have any of the mammon of this world left, that we know that it's been given out as the way that you have required us to do because we're just stewards over it. Amen. So master in the name of Jesus, bless us, oh God. And Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes and other destinations, Lord, continue to put your holy, 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 holy heads around us and keep us from all heart harm and danger. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen.
0: Please be seated and obey the ushers.